in what other setting would we take the time to pause, to reflect, to acknowledge that you, O oh God, are good to me? In what other setting would we take the time to remember this past week's events and how in the midst of whatever we've gone through, good or bad, we could actually see how good God has been to us. One of the positive effects of our having to be quarantined to, for a time period, finding shelter in our homes is that we had a lot of time on our hands. And I pray that for us as followers of Jesus Christ, it was a time that we took advantage of, a time whereby we recalled and we nurtured the relationship that we have with our awesome God through Jesus Christ. We are such busy creatures. So whether you've taken the time to do that or not, every time we gather to worship, it is a time for us to pause. It is a time for us to reflect on the events of the past week or even the events of today, be they good or not so good, and proclaim once again, God, you've been so good to me. Let us pray. Loving and gracious Lord our God, we come to you this day asking that you will hide me behind the cross of Jesus the Christ so that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone will be seen and heard. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be pleasing to you. For you, O Lord, are our strength, and you alone are our Redeemer. A win-win situation is the title of the message today. What a Interesting title, someone may be thinking. I, I don't gamble. I don't play cards. But as I look at the text today, that's the theme that bubbled up as I looked at the passage from Romans, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 29. A win-win situation how is that possible? You don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. You don't even really know me, Pastor. How can you declare today that no matter what I'm going through, it's a win-win situation? I can declare that today because against all that you are experiencing right now, the backdrop is God's amazing love for you. God's amazing love for you. God's amazing love for you. The Articles of Religion for us Methodist State 
that we believe there is one living and true God, everlasting without body or parts, of infinite wisdom and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things, both visible and invisible. And in unity of this Godhead, there are three persons of one substance, power, and eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, the Son, who is the Word of God, the Father, the very and eternal God of one substance with the Father, took humankind's nature in the womb of the Blessed Virgin, so that two whole and perfect natures, that is to say, the Godhead and manhood, were joined together in one person, never to be divided, whereof is one Christ, very God and very man, who truly suffered, was crucified, dead, and buried to reconcile his Father to us and to be a sacrifice not only for original guilt but also for actual sins of men. The Holy Spirit, proceeding from the Father and the Son, is of one substance, majesty and glory with the Father and the Son, very and eternal God. It is against the triune God that we can say we're always in a win-win situation. In the text today, we are introduced to one of the roles, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. We are introduced to this third person who Jesus said in John I must go away, but I will ask the Father to send you a comforter. And when he comes, he will reveal to you all truth. He is your advocate. He is the Holy Spirit. So for all who have accepted Jesus Christ into their lives as Savior and Lord, you have within you the Holy Spirit. I have within me the Holy Spirit. And unlike in the Old Testament days when the Holy Spirit would leave and show up again and leave individuals and come back, in the New Testament we understand that once one accepts Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit indwells within the believer. And so in Acts, I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 8, we are told that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to enable us to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but I do remember those days uh, when I prayed stupid prayers. You don't have to raise your hands. I see them up anyway. <laughs> stupid prayers. Prayers that were based on what I wanted. Prayers that were based on what somebody else may have said. But they were not prayers that were intentionally designed for me to better understand how I should pray or even what I should pray. This God whom we adore, this God whom we revere, it is this God who is in a relationship with us through Jesus Christ. It is God who wants us to understand the fullness of who we're called to be in him and also who we're called to be in his world as his community of faith. And so this God blesses us with the Holy Spirit to help us to pray, which means then that when I decide to pray, I need to be quiet. 
I need to understand that whatever situation I see is limited by my sight. Whatever situation I think I need to pray for is limited by my knowledge and understanding. So therefore, there is a need for me to allow the Holy Spirit within me to bless me with the words that I should say to the Heavenly Father. Have you not discovered this? And you have because you, like I, we've grown in the area of prayer. Not all of our prayers are stupid prayers. Not all of them. Haven't you discovered, as I have, that when we're silent and, and when we say to God, I need to pray, and in that silence, the words come? And sometimes they're the words that we're not even on our conscious mind. It is this Holy Spirit who teaches us how and who helps us to pray. And then in the text, we're reminded that sometimes, sometimes, what we see and what we experience is so overwhelming and so indescribable that all we can do is groan, moan. And yet it's the Holy Spirit who abides within us. It's the Holy Spirit who is with us. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us to put words to those groans and moans so that the Father can hear what we are ultimately saying. We believe in the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this text continues. It, it goes on to talk about that we as Christians hope for that that we can all, not always see. And so once again, it is the Holy Spirit who intercedes with us and on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit is responsible for leading the church into the church's future. And that is why I said to you early on that my desire is to love you with the love of Jesus Christ, to listen to you with the heart of God, and to lead you and to guide you with the help and guidance of the Holy Spirit. In order for us, Evangel Heights, to be all of who God is calling us to be in 2020, we must be intentional about listening to and being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on to remind us that in this world, we are going to have trials. In this world, we're going to have tribulations. And this is not new because Jesus told us in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have trials. In this world, you will have persecutions, but be of good joy because I've overcome the world. When did we believe as followers of Jesus Christ that we would live a suffer-free life? In Romans 8, 28, where we're told that, the, that all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord, who are, are called according to his purpose. And, and we're reminded that that purpose is for us to become more like Jesus Christ. That's, that's a flippant statement to make. But what does it mean when we peel back the layers? What it means is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are committed, no matter where we are, no matter where we go, individually or collectively, we are committed to be the hands to feed the eyes of Jesus Christ. Our attitudes, our behavior, our words, are to reflect Jesus Christ individually and corporately. And when we do that, we will suffer. 
When we do that, there are people who will not like what we have to say. When we do that, there are people who will want to shun us and turn away from us. That's why Jesus Christ asked the question of his disciples, do you love me more than these? At the time, he was talking to Peter along the lake shore. But he's also asking us, do you love me more than these? These who have influence over your lives. These who you respect. These who you want to emulate and be like. Do you love me more than these? Because that's what it's going to require to be my disciple. You must love me more than these, more than family, more than friends, more than positions, more than possessions. You must love me more than these. And when we do, beloved, what we know is that we will suffer. But here's the good news in the suffering. And this is where we come to the latter part of this text today. Paul reminds us that no matter what the form of suffering may take, and, and when you look at that particular passage of Scripture, all that he has talked about, Paul has experienced. <laughs> the persecutions. Fighting against powers in high places. All that he lists, Paul has experienced. And yet Paul could say, because God is love, because Jesus Christ is interceding on my behalf because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I am more than a conqueror. And not only that, but no matter what happens, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, nothing and no one will ever Separate me from the love of God. Not death, not angels, not principalities in high places. Nothing. And no one will ever be able to separate me from the love of God. And so, therefore, and here's Pastor Michelle's postscript, therefore, I can go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can go forth as a community of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Addressing the ills, addressing the inequities, addressing the darkness of this world. For when we do, we are advancing God's kingdom here on earth. And therefore, in closing, let me say to you today, no matter what life brings to us this afternoon, tonight, or this week, individually or corporately, 
as the community of faith known as Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, we know that it is, it will be a win-win situation, not because of our humanity, no, but because of the one who has claimed us through Jesus the Christ, the awesome God who loves us and has declared in his word that nothing and no one will be able to separate us from his love. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O Lord, for this time set aside to worship you, a time when we literally pause, when we can remember just how good you are to us, when we pause and we can remember as we, as we reflect on your word that no matter what life offers or brings to us, because we are yours through Jesus Christ, because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we're in a win-win situation. All the circumstances may not be pleasant, that it may even be painful, but they do not erase your love for us. They do not erase your fulfilling your purpose in us and through us. And so help us to keep our focus on you, the author and finisher of our faith. And we offer these petitions to you again as we look around your world and we see where your kingdom is not in place, where there is anger, where there are protests, Loving God, we pray that you will use us as your instruments where there is killing, even here in South Bend. Use us as your instruments individually and corporately as the community of faith. Use us to usher in your kingdom in this place, our mission field. In Jesus Christ's name, we offer up to you these petitions. It is in Jesus Christ's name that I give you thanks. Amen.